This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to do another Marketing Smarts moment. This one is focused on entrepreneurship and specifically female entrepreneurship and what it takes to be successful. I mean, entrepreneurship isn't easy no matter your gender, but if we are real, and that's how me and April roll. Yes, it is. The business world can still be a little bit of a hostile place for ambitious women, especially those looking to rise and especially, especially those who are looking to do their own thing, which is why we form Forthright Women, frankly. And if you want more on that, you could check out our website, which is forthright-women.com. Yes, so definitely check that out, and I echo everything that Anne said, because entrepreneurship sure is a beast all on its own, and while we absolutely love it at Forthright People, we are also quick to qualify that it takes a different mindset and set Mm -hmm. of skills when you actually make that decision to go on your own, regardless of what you were doing before that point, which is a lot of what we're going to get into in today's conversation. Yeah, and it's not just us, as April said, who are really passionate about this. We have another organization who's practicing our marketing smarts in pursuit of supporting, enabling, and lifting female entrepreneurs, and that is Aviatra. And today we have their CEO and president, Jill Morenz, to discuss this important topic. So thanks for being with us today, Jill. And would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little more about Aviatra? Yeah, thank you both so much for this opportunity. I'm so excited to talk with you about this. So Aviatra Accelerators, we're actually a 13-years-old organization. We're a nonprofit in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, and Dayton, Ohio region. And we provide education and connections and resources to help women entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses faster and with more confidence. Well, that's fabulous. And maybe, Jill, will you want to tell us a little bit about how you found Aviatra and how you got to be the president and CEO? So um, it was founded, uh, as I said, 13 years ago in 2010. And it was really back then, you know, it was it was an even more challenging environment for women entrepreneurs. And yeah. the founder, was looking around the ecosystem and saw all these women with these really great ideas and a ton of hustle. And they were kind of working in a vacuum. And so, you know, nowadays there's a lot more resources for entrepreneurs in general. Um, But back then it was, it was really hard and especially with the funding piece. And so, which is still a challenge and I'm sure we can talk about that later, but that's what it was originally started as kind of a, a, a path to capital and um, we've continued that. Our main program is an accelerator that's been happening ever since um, 2010. And then we have a lot of other programs for women at different stages of their business. Yeah, we're going to get into all of those. So Jill, let's just start with what you mentioned already, which is some of the big challenges. And we know that there, when you guys got founded, there was some massive challenges and you know, the challenges have evolved since then. So what are you currently seeing right now that female entrepreneurs are really facing? And Frankly, how are they overcoming them? So as I mentioned, you know, the, the biggest one is funding. You know, starting a business, kind of like you mentioned in the beginning, is, is a challenge for both men and women. And it, there's not that much difference there when it comes to just starting the business. But when it comes to being ready to grow and accessing funding, it's the, that's where the gender difference really shows up. So 
this is just a, a really startling statistic that I, I wanted to share with you. So in 2021, out of all the business loans, all the small business loans given across the country, only 5% of them were given to women, even though women own 30% of the small businesses in America. Oh, my. Wow. So, you know, part of that is because of the types of businesses that women tend to start. Um, you know, they may not really need capital because they're, you know, like providing a service much like yours where you sort of capitalize it with your customers, right? Like that your customers are your capital. You don't need to borrow. But there's a lot of um, situations where people do need to borrow, especially if they're doing um, like a product or if they're, you know, owning uh like a food business where they need equipment, that kind of thing, or, you know, other, all kind of tech businesses, you know, any other kind of business that you can think of. A lot of them, when it comes time to grow, they need to get funding. And that's, that's where the challenge is to, and, and, you know, the way we help is by helping women get their business to the point where lenders will take them seriously. So that's, you know, having a really robust business plan with realistic financial projections, not just, you know, kind of wishes and, um, you know, having a, a strong story and a strong presence in the community. So I think that's the, the biggest gender difference. But then we also see a lot, um, you know, women, I think everybody across the board tends to struggle some at, from time to time with imposter syndrome. But I think women tend to perhaps suffer from that more than men do in, in the business community. And I think that is really, um, the way to address that is really by, by connecting with other women entrepreneurs and seeing, you know, there's, they can do it. I can do it. I don't have to do it alone. That's the biggest part of it, I think, is, is just reassuring women. You don't have to do this alone. And then the third thing is, you know, women, as you guys know, especially with your focus on executive moms, you know, women are doing all the things, truly all the things. Yeah. Oh, yes. If they are expected also or want to also build a business, the time management becomes absolutely critical. And so we talk a lot about that and um, about the systems that you can implement, you know, perhaps hiring more sooner than you would have. And now that, you know, VAs are and, you know, virtual work is, is very easy to find, you know, that's one way to get started with that. You don't have to hire a full-time employee or a W2 or anything. And then really a lot of women just deal with it by overworking. And so yeah. that's a danger that we really have to be aware of. It's the burnout rate is, is really high and just for all aspects and finding the ways to manage their time better and prioritize, I think is a, is a really big piece. And, and that is kind of something that you learn as you go, but there are strategies to help clarify that, I think, for, for people also that we can teach. Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, all the points you brought up are so super important, but I, a couple of them that I think really resonate is, or the way I was thinking about it is there are so many different types of barriers that come at us. And then when we are trying to do it all, really having the resources, like you said. And I think one of the big things that you guys provide, and it's similar to why we started Fourth Rate Women, was to make sure that we can look around and see more others like us, right? Because yes. that seems to be mm -hmm. one of the perpetual problems is that 
if you can't see others and you're dealing with the imposter syndrome at the same time, it becomes right. kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, yeah. where it's like, I don't have the confidence here. I need to find it elsewhere where I can't find it elsewhere. So now, you know, what am I going to do about this? And so those are the things that just came to mind as you were running through all the challenges. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I have to just build on that. It's like, there's such an internal external struggle, I feel. And I feel like that does like continue to sometimes keep women stuck, whether they're female entrepreneurs or whether or not they're females who are trying to rise to leadership positions. I definitely think because there doesn't seem to be as much of a model for that, that kind of is lifting and pulling up. But then also it, it feels like we're still in this place internally that we, maybe we don't, don't feel like we belong quite yet either. Right. And so it's kind of yes. just standing into the power that you, you possess and you exhibit because it's not going to be easy. And I think that's the, um, the one thing that also kind of keeps a lot of women stuck is like, ah, oh, this is so much harder than I expected it to be. And it, and it yeah. feels like it, it, it's easier for so-and-so on the other side who may be male um, because they have that, already that existing support structure or that model or right. these other things. So I think internally, in order to be able to validate and, 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 and really bring the external to life, we kind of have to start internally, it feels like, in order to really kind of step into that and really want it. And I, and I feel like that could be a really hard decision for, for many. And so Jill, I'd love to get your take on that about where you're seeing like female entrepreneurs really getting stuck, like, there's a, a long process on this, like even from just getting started to, you know, and then getting into a business and then scaling the business. Like, where are you seeing entrepreneurs really getting stuck in this process and how are you helping them overcome being stuck? That's a great question. And in fact, we um, we address this on our, our website because there are such a there's this, that kind of continuum of stages from thinking, uh, th you know, thinking about starting a business, having a new business being in business for several years and then, you know, continuing to grow and scale. And, and so on our website, we've created these pathways, these four pathways, and we provide resources and programs for each one, for wherever a woman is when she comes into, uh, when she discovers us, you know, wherever she is on her entrepreneurship journey. And because there are the, the needs of, of the women as they go through each of those stages is very different generally speaking, I think there's some, there's definitely some overall pieces of it, like that community piece. But um, for when they're just getting started, we really see, we, we call them the three eyes. So that we see that they need um, inspiration, ideation, and instruction. So inspiration is exactly like what you were saying. Who is doing it? Who can I meet and see that they're doing it and and hear their story and and realize that they're not that they're a real person just like I am with all kinds of real responsibilities and you know considerations and they're doing it and so that's inspiring and then the ideation so you know a lot of times people have some kind of an idea about what they might want to do sometimes it's not very formed or they have several ideas or too many ideas right and so how to how to refine their idea, do a little bit of, you know, maybe market research uh, to see if uh, how um, realistic that is to turn that particular idea into a business. So that's the ideation piece. And then um, the nuts and bolts of actually getting started, uh, you know, like literally, where do I go? 
what do I have to do? Do I have to be an LLC? Should I, do I have to have a business bank account? You know, really basic stuff that um, that's really helpful. You have to know it. And I think people get stuck on it, you know, like, oh, it's too much trouble. And, you know, and I get that. There's a, there's a lot of little details there. Um, we do have a program that's, it's a half day workshop and it's called um, Explore Your Business Idea. It's just $50. And um, we, we just take people kind of through all these things, exactly that, the inspiration uh, and then refining their idea and then just, you know, okay, now let's get down to it. What do you do first? You know, <laughs> where, do you have, where do you have to file? What do you have to file? So, so those are the spaces for the people who are just getting started. So then the women who have a new business, you know, that's where they're really like, oh my gosh, as you said, this is hard. <laughs> I didn't really know that it was going to be this hard. I love doing the thing that I do. And then there's so much else, right? There's marketing and there's the business piece of it and invoicing and billing and contracts and on and on and on and on. And so that overwhelm and then the time management thing is that's really where I think women just tend to either go, oh, that's okay. I'm not going to really do this after all. Or they they keep, they persevere, which, you know, more power to them, but sometimes they're working, you know, that old chestnut of working harder, not smarter. Right. And, uh-huh. and so they're, they're just burning themselves down and they don't necessarily have to do all that. So I think that's a little bit of focus, you know, like where should they focus their energy? So we say at AVHR, we help women um, with the three essential types of connections that they need to be an entrepreneur. So the first one is connections to experts. So, you know, like you're thinking, okay, I'm done with bookkeeping, trying to do my bookkeeping myself or designing my website or doing my social media. So what are you going to start doing? Like how to, you know, who can help me do my social media on Google? And, you know, you don't know who to trust or anything. So, you know, we try to connect people with all of our instructors or experts in their fields. And so we're connecting people with actual experts and they can get to know them a little bit, you know, see if they want to work with them and if they like them. Um, So connections to experts is the first type of connection. Connections to funding sources is the next one. So just exactly like we talked about, connections to lenders, grantors, investors, and really customers too. I mean, that's the most critical funding source. And then connections to other entrepreneurs, just like we talked about, our aviator community is just full of women that are, you know, doing big things and and hustling and really want to support other women. So that's, that's the other big piece of it is just you know, we have mastermind, we have like a, a mastermind program and some other things. And I've been in a mastermind for years and years. I was not only have I worked for 10 years in the, on, in the nonprofit space here, but I also had my own side businesses for 17 years. And I've been in a mastermind for a long time. And one of my cohort, you know, one of my people in the mastermind, she doesn't really share a whole lot. Like she's very, I love her dad. We all love her, but you know, she's not, she doesn't bring us like really thorny questions. She's just kind of like, well, do you think I should use blue or green? And then we give our opinion. She goes, okay, great. Thanks. We're like, well, are you really getting anything out of this? And she (laughs) said, oh, you have no idea. Nobody else in my life is an entrepreneur. And so when I talk to you guys, I feel like, like I'm not crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's just nobody else. And another woman I was talking to, she, uh, she does, has a grant writing business and she, told me, you know, I go home and I talk to my husband about all this stuff. Well, do you think I should go on, you know, do a Facebook ad campaign or should I make it on LinkedIn? And he's like, honey, what? I, I don't know, whatever, whatever you do. I'm, I'm not, I love you no matter what. Right. And she's like, well, thank you, but that's not really all that helpful. So I think that's that big piece of it is like, 
you know, who am I going to ask these questions to? Right. And so when you're right in the thick of things in that new business, the first couple of years, my gosh, there's so many questions and you just really have to not, you know, remember, you don't have to figure this out yourself. People have done it before you just find those people and they're happy to help. The third stage, sort of that ready to grow. Um, I look at three things there. I look at assets, people and money. So the assets, I think, are like the thing that you make or do. So, you know, your your own skills or products, uh, your intellectual property. Uh, so that kind of thing, like kind of like really getting that dialed in, um, protecting your assets with insurance or patents or whatever, you know, contracts. Then people, when you're really ready to grow, you need a team, right? We've talked about like doing these 1099s and stuff, but when you get really serious, you, you're going to need a, a team. And that could still be 1099s, but they need to be really focused on you, you know. So building that team and also just that on, you know, the community of experts and who do you turn to when you need, you know, when you have an insurance question or when you need your website updated or whatever. And then the money is, you know, your pricing, is your pricing right? Are your margins good? And, you know, are you ready to go for some funding to borrow some money to really make some some big moves. So I think those are the three kind of like buckets and then the the struggles for each one. What are you all hearing? Yeah. I mean, you said so many things there. I was like trying to yeah. keep back in my head as you were going, like all the things oh, to notes. react to. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I'll touch on the ones that, you know, resonate with me and then, yeah. you know, and I'm sure we'll have some, but first and foremost, the when to stop working harder and start working smarter, I think mm -hmm. is really, really difficult. I th And I think it ties to your whole thing about the simple questions to get you started, because I do think a ton of people really get stuck there. And I totally appreciate the three phases and what can happen in each one. But I remember back for me, how I didn't want to feel and look stupid. And I think right. that that's a lot of it, right? It's like, I have done X, Y, and Z before now, and I'm capable, and I should be able to figure this out. But I think the two things go hand in hand, which is ask people who have been there before you and leverage other people's expertise as well. And one of the mm, things that I'm perfect. so proud of myself for doing, which sounds so silly when I first went on my own, was... I was like, I don't want anyone else to go through this. So I made like a 20 point checklist of all Ooh. the things that you need to do when you're starting your own business. And it was the things you talked about, the LLC, when do I start a bank account? Do I need a credit card? Um, how do, do I need business insurance? Like all of that kind of stuff. Wow. And how many people since then over the years, I've been like, just take this sheet, please. <laughs> and of course I'm meeting it and she's like, why were you not monetizing that? And I'm like, okay. I, was I know. <laughs> <laughs> there was an ebook right there. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, but there's that piece of it. But then also to your point, as you get going and knowing when you've hit a next gate, I think is tremendously challenging. And then also you go through all the emotions, right? It's like you're oh. lonely and to the point of your friend that you weren't sure in the mastermind if she's getting anything out of it. But it's like, well, I'm looking around and who else is there, right? And that was a big part of what led me to Anne was a year and a half after doing it myself. I was probably in a little bit of like the second to third of what you outlined, mm. but it was feelings of I'm looking around and I don't have anyone else and I'm running a successful gig, but I'm making all the decisions and I'm not growing. 
And I got here quicker than I thought I was. So now what's next? And then where do you go from there? And so for me at that point in time, it was taking any meeting that was put on my plate because there weren't organizations or you were here, but mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of it. So I think <laughs> that these types of things that you're talking about are so important and just the pure community aspect paired with the expertise and the people that can fill in the gaps for you, whether it's virtual assistant type stuff or it's tax law or whatever it is yeah. to then the having been there before and learning from those that came before you and people willing to do that because you're exactly right. There are tons of us out there. I do tons of these types of meetings because yes. I don't want people to feel the way that I felt in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did a, a similar thing. I called my friend Amy who had her business for like 10 years. I was actually in the airport coming home from an agency meeting for PNG when I was still in PNG. I'm like, all right, tell me everything I need to do in order to start a business. It was an hour and a half conversation <laughs> and I was tapping it in, in, in a notes. I probably still have the note in my phone about all the things. I'm like, this seems like a lot of things. She goes, oh no, it's yeah. not that complicated. It's not that hard. It all sounds very complicated and hard, but actually when you get in it, it's actually a lot easier than you think. So sometimes it's just kind of overcoming like the, the trepidation and nervousness of like, I don't know this space or I don't feel comfortable in this space quite yet. Or maybe I don't consider myself an independent businesswoman yet. And those mm -hmm. are the going back to a, a little bit of those feelings of imposter syndrome, but it's also like with knowledge comes power and with knowledge comes confidence. And so sometimes for me, when I feel very much like I don't even know what this looks like, I just go Google something mm -hmm. just to get mm -hmm. a little bit of knowledge. And I find once I get a little bit of knowledge about it, it kind of takes away a little bit of that mystique about how complicated it really is because really there isn't anything very hard about starting the business from a technical standpoint which is where mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of people get stuck yeah. but where then it kind of quickly kind of follows up behind that is a lot of these things that you know we've talked about is how do i get that credibility how do i get the you know build that reputation am i my own how do i break through a lot of the the clutter and the noise and and that i think becomes a the the bigger question almost because you need the foundation by which to build everything and that's why we always say to start with brand and why brand is so incredibly mm -hmm. important yeah. because it becomes the foundation and the groundwork for where everything comes from so without a why without a purpose without a mission without a vision it's kind of like you just you're selling and you're just selling your stuff. But really what people are buying is that emotional connection that that stuff delivers, whether it's a service or a product. So when you can get to that level, all of a sudden your business has a, a magnitude of value that it didn't have before. And it rises from being a commoditized business, which I mean, a lot of, I mean, we see women and men alike. I mean, everything's a commodity, a commodity at some point. What me and April do is a commodity. I mean, every, every business is some level of commodity, but in order for it to get to be a brand, you really need to invest in all of those brand foundational elements about its identity, its story, and its character, mm -hmm. and its tone of voice, which makes it start to kind of take on a personality of its own. So I think it's like, you know, the two things, it's always like the things, and then it's always like, what even is this? And, <laughs> and so, and that's a hard thing to kind of go back and forth in because for a long time, it's just you, it's just you and the business. And it's very, very hard to work in your business and on your business at the same uh, time. Yeah, right? it's a really, it really is impossible, which is why everybody gets overwhelmed because you have to do both and you can't do them at the same time. So it takes twice as long, you know, essentially yeah. you figure like, well, now, now I, you know, I spent 40 hours working in the business. Now I have to spend 40 hours on the business. So yeah, that's really true.
And that's where it comes to, like you guys said, about kind of bringing those people in the fold as soon as possible. There's a lot of ways of being able to do that economically, but there is some element of investment. And I think everybody tries to start a business on like a shoestring budget to some extent. <laughs> and they're, they kind of, excuse me, but half-ass everything, mm-hmm. but then wonder why the business doesn't do well, right? Yes. So it's also been being very mindful about what does it take to, to build my credibility, to build my reputation. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to have a website and a social and flyers and events and everything going on at once, but being very strategic about what it takes. And that goes back to what you were saying, I think, Jill, about really understanding and doing that market research, understanding my customer, my client, my consumer, where is their mindset? Where would they want to hear from me? And building those vehicles that are going to reach them. Yeah, such a great point about figuring out where you need to be. And then the rest of it is optional. So you don't, you know, if you're targeting, you know, 70 year old veterans, you probably don't need to be on Instagram, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So you just let that go and then focus on the stuff that you need to be, you know, like, you know, I don't know what he might be on, but like, you know, newspaper ads, right? Maybe. Yeah. Facebook, <laughs> like right? I don't... Center, right? You know, yeah. so it becomes a different way of being able to engage, right? But you need to understand your consumer, your client, your customer in order to be able to most effectively reach them and engage them. Yeah. And then, and, and it helps you focus away from this cool, new, sexy stuff. Like, oh, maybe I should be oh, on yeah. TikTok. Well, that 70 year old veteran man is not going to see it ever unless his grandson, <laughs> grandson comes and shows it to him right <laughs> exactly you know really like we're being honest that's the way it is right and so exactly you have to understand your customer and you know to your point also and I think that whole idea of the why that why are you doing this your mission that's what is going to see you through the ups and downs exactly mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't have a strong connection to that, if you just said, I just, I'm gonna start selling this thing because I can sell it, I get it cheap or whatever, you know, that that's not gonna be enough. That's not enough commitment. It's not enough of your own internal motivation to really give you any reason to, you know, come back after a setback or, you know, if we have another pandemic or something, right? Like it's just not enough. And so, but if you, like you two are very committed to your mission, you know, that's gonna stop you. You have asked for it, and now it's here. The Brand Strategy Workbook. Three insider secrets to build a powerful B2B brand to transform you from a commodity into a market leader. This strategy has been tried and tested on 20 plus industries over a combined 40 plus years of experience. Do you wanna stand out in your industry and get more sales? Show you're different to attract and retain top talent? Build a brand that drives real business results? Then go to forthright-people.com forward slash brand-strategy and get started now. I think that's a really good point. And I, I think that is one element of what we see in successful entrepreneurs is a really crystal clear mission. And, you know, just for all of us listeners, just to remind you, a mission is externally motivated. A mission is about the impact you plan to have. And when you keep your eye on that impact, everything else feels like part of the journey to get there, but it's harder to get stopped if you feel like you're delivering some level of impact that people feel like they need. So Jill, I, I expand upon that or give us some other commonalities or themes that you've seen among female entrepreneurs. Because I think a lot of them say, you know, well, I just don't know if I'm made for this or I just don't know if I have what it takes. So 
in your opinion, what does it take? Yeah, I do think that there's uh, an absolutely you need to have a connection with what you're doing. That's huge. And if you if you don't have it, that's okay. You can do it as a side hustle or something, right? Like if you just need want to just toe dip and you know get into something. I teach a a, a workshop, a free workshop called Side Hustle Without the Hustle, and it's just <laughs> for people who want to get into you know just testing. And you know, it's a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I grow pumpkins. I'm a Salamit Halloween. Great. That's probably not connected to a larger mission, right? It's just pumpkins <laughs> and it's Halloween, right? So, but I think that when you really are getting serious about it, that's a big piece of it is, are you connected to your mission? And um, uh, another piece of it is um, taking advantage of, of the resources that are available. So uh, actually our Dayton program manager was, went, she's an alum of our accelerator and she drove all the way down to Dayton once a week for 10 weeks to be part of the program back in 2019, because she said it was just all together. Like it had all the stuff, but it was all together. I could have gotten it in all these different ways. And I just didn't want to go there. I didn't, I don't have time to mess around and, you know, try this and try that and try that. I just want to go to one program. And, you know, we're not the only program out there. There's so many, this, our region, we are very fortunate in our region to have a very strong entrepreneurial support system right now community and so there's you know from Dayton down all the way down here to through Cincinnati into northern Kentucky there's there's so many resources and a lot of them are free and the most of the, those are excellent there's paid ones also excellent and it just depends on what you need but when you were saying April how you didn't want to look stupid right that's so common so common who does right who wants to look stupid nobody wants to look stupid but I think it's just remembering, you know, every single successful entrepreneur started out where you were, not knowing anything. Yep. So you yep. just have to remind yourself that a lot of it's that self-talk, you know, like, oh, okay, I can get through this. I may sound dumb right now, but I know that there's three other people in this room who haven't spoken up, who have that exact same question. And I'm only, I'm the brave one to, to say it aloud. So I think that um, the strong mission, the taking advantage of resources and then, you know, gathering a community around yourself, whether it's community of experts that you pay or just advisors, mentors, friends, that community that can support you when, you know, both when you're having a success and when you're encountering a roadblock. I think those are the three things that successful women do when it comes to the the women who, who kind of give up or don't make it. I think what, what they're looking at what we see a lot of times there is overwhelm and that's because they weren't focusing on, on the only, you know, not necessarily they weren't focusing on the right things, but they weren't only focusing on the right things. Um, not being able to pivot and, and return from a setback. That's another big piece. And some of that is, is uh, their choice, right? Like if the guy who's growing pumpkins, nobody wants pumpkins in July and he's like, well, forget it. I'm not going to help you then. I'm done. You know, okay. Well, he didn't want to grow strawberries. That was what was, you know, people want in July, right? But that, that's his choice. He just wants to focus on pumpkins. So that's okay. But a lot of times it's just, you know, they they can't let go of this vision that they had and they, they aren't able to listen to the market, tell them, well, it's not quite that. It's something similar. It's this. And they just aren't willing to listen to that. So that's unfortunate. And then giving up without reaching out for help. There's so much help, so much help. And you, you know, 
again, you, you may feel like you look stupid, but nobody thinks that you are. Everybody understands. There's so much help. So I, I really think, I really think that's critical. Our um, marketing strategist here at Aviatrice, she, her name's Jasmine, and she put it like this. She said, a lot of the early work when you're starting a business happens underground, like growing the roots. You know, it's it's making these connections, strengthening your own support network, and then that will eventually bear, bear fruit and support you when you need it. I thought that was a lovely vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think the underestimating that sometimes can happen when you have the idea that you want to go ahead and hit go is a really big barrier. And as you were talking, mm-hmm. I again was thinking through my journey and what you just said about the sort of quote unquote underground. I mean, I was working at an agency and alongside that, I was doing exactly that. I was reinvigorating connections, reaching out to people that, you know, networking, I will say, first of all, the community aspect, but the networking and keeping that community strong, regardless of where you are, is hugely important. That's kind of my so smart. stand on my yeah. soapbox. But, <laughs> but it was critical for you, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That sort of cultivating and thinking through things and doing the hard work associated with that before it becomes a real thing can be challenging, but there is nothing else that propels you forward faster because you do, you're, you haven't yet put it out there to say you're going to go and do it. And yes, that moment in time is hugely important for sure. And some people never get there. So, you know, there's that piece of it. And that's another piece of the being brave, but all of that sort of incubator, I guess is, was my word for it time. And I think for me, it did a couple of things. One, it reminded me that I had a community and people that were supportive. It made me feel like I wasn't crazy because every time I pitched it and people would say, yeah, that totally makes sense. I can see it. And then I could practice a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? I Mm -hmm. didn't have to automatically say I'm pressing the button and going. Um, It allowed for a lot more of a runway. That's lovely. To speak to that part of what you said and then the other part of what you said around the pivoting i think is really really important i was having a conversation with someone who's not an entrepreneur recently and he was talking about how he thinks kind of like people are one or the other right like you have it or you don't have it and we got into the whole thing around pivoting and i said one of the things i love and hate the most is when i feel like i'm on my heels because mm-hmm. it is a moment where i know to your point about there's something here but i'm not there yet and it drives me crazy anyway that's just how i'm built when i know there's a solution and i can't <laughs> see it but can't embracing rest. those pivot moments as opportunities instead of d- being disappointed when something doesn't work out. And I think as entrepreneurs and the way our world moves today and how fast it is, you have to constantly be anticipating that things are going to continue to change. That's true regardless. It's definitely true in the entrepreneurial yes. journey. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and I'm going to build a couple on this because we've had several clients who are entrepreneurs and, and, and doing their own thing and, and asked us to consult on their business. And this is going to lead very nicely into our next my next question. But some of them, uh, these two examples happen to be more male. Oh, they're not more males. They are males. <laughs> that being said, um, they weren't willing to do what it takes in order to be successful because they were too stuck in what they felt comfortable with. And so I think people who really succeed here, females specifically, and why I think they're built for being entrepreneurs 
is that there is more of a tendency to be a little bit more uncomfortable because just as a gender, we've had to kind of endure being a little bit more comfortable. But when you're not willing to do what it takes in this specific instance, we had set up a marketing plan and he's like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's just not me. And I'm like, but you got to do that. Like you cannot not do that and then expect people to actually like hire your business. And I think it was more of a, um, getting out into the community and make and do and making relationships, Mm -hmm. um, happen and, and and connecting. And I'm like, you can't be where you're at. He was in, he's going to be in a real estate area. I'm like, you can't be where you're at and not be willing to talk to people. I'm like, I'm sorry. So (laughs) I would just add that to the, what we've been talking about is that you're, you have to be okay, feeling uncomfortable. You have to be okay trying new things, even if it doesn't feel like it's something exactly that is like in line with what you like to do. Like I'm, I, I tend to be more introverted. I, I don't like, you know, necessarily like if somebody's gonna say, Hey, do you want to go speak in front of like 10,000 people? I'm like, yeah, no, that's okay. April likes to do that. <laughs> but I know I, I need to in some aspects because it's important for the business. And so you have to train yourself to get comfortable with that. It's not necessarily something I still like raise my hand to want to go do, but it's still something that I know that it's going to generate what we need for the business. So it's thinking about it from that business mindset, not necessarily like what you want to do and what you feel comfortable with. But but like what I was saying, I think this is going to be really nice on the next point. I think sometimes we kind of talk about all the ways why females are kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to being female entrepreneurs. But I actually, and I know April feels the same way, is that we believe women are specifically built to be fabulous entrepreneurs. So, Jill, I'd love to get your thoughts here about like, where do you feel like females have more advantages than males in being entrepreneurs? Like, where have you seen them really kind of accelerate and and really leave kind of their male guys in the dust a little bit? I think that's a great question. And I absolutely agree that a big part of that is that that perseverance, because we as a gender have been struggling for, you know, all of time to get <laughs> to get heard and seen and some power. And, and so I think we, we know how to do it. And we also just kind of as a gender also have a little something to prove, right? Like we can do this, we can do this. So I think that perseverance is absolutely absolutely a huge component to that. I think there's um, another piece of it where women in general tend to have an abundance uh, mindset as opposed to a scarcity mindset. So we, you know, when you feel like there's scarce resources or not enough customers, um, you have, you know, then all you're doing is competing, right? And I feel like that's competition is very male thing. Of course, women compete and compete well and, you know, rise to the top all the time. But I think just in general, like our our instinct is a little bit more like, I don't have to be the only one doing this. We can all do it and we can be successful. We each have our own place where we excel. And like, there's not, it like you just said, like there's a bunch of other uh, marketing or, you know, companies, but n- none of them is like you. Right. So you're going to find your people and they're going to find you. So, you know, it's not like you're really competing with other, I mean, you are to some degree, right? But once they get to know you, you're not. And I think that's a big piece of mindset that women have that men sometimes have to strive to achieve. And then I think the third thing is that tendency to gather with other women. So that community aspect that we've been talking about all along is is that comes really easily to us in general. And we want to gather and learn from each other and tell our stories, share our stories and, and support each other. And so I think that, you know, we're not doing these 
this entrepreneurship thing in a vacuum and we're not raising our children in a vacuum and we're not, you know, keeping a house in a vacuum and et cetera, right? We, we, we are all leaning on each other for all these things. And I think that's really another huge advantage that women have when it comes to entrepreneurship and life in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so true. I was with a client, female client yesterday, <laughs> and we were talking about us in the portfolio of the other people they work with. And I could tell there was a little bit of uncomfortableness about if that's a word, you know, talking about the other groups. And I said exactly that. I was like, listen, there's enough work to go around. I'm not worried about that. We want to make sure that we get to the right solution for you. And if that's us or them or whatever, it really doesn't matter because it'll come back around. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is absolutely, I mean, it's for sure the philosophy of our business, but I do think that is a more female led way of being. And then one of the other things you said, I mean, just chatting with a girlfriend yesterday and we were kind of talking and laughing about how we can laugh at when everything becomes a shit show, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes. and so we kind of, you know, we don't get a lot of time or often to catch up, but when we do, it's like a rapid fire and suddenly we're like, well, the hour's up, it's time to go. We got to move on <laughs> to the next thing. But it was about the keeping it real, anotherness, realness of yeah. what actually happens and having yes. those people that you can go and have those conversations with. Yes. And sometimes it's blowing off steam and sometimes it's really looking for solutions. But no matter what it is, it's about having that outlet to be able to go and do that. And I do not think that guys do that as well. I think no. sometimes they're better at letting things roll off and, you know, they- That's true. They, you know, punch each other and move on. No, I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> whatever the things are, but I think there's a richness to that in women, especially when we are executive moms, which like, yeah. is one of our focuses. Yeah. She said to me at the end, like, I will always make time for this, even though I don't have time for this, because I need this in order to be mm. able to go and do all the other things that I'm doing. And I think that's a lot of the essence of what you just said and why we are different and, and to your point, uniquely positioned as entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to interject that we actually have a, a newish program called Real Talk for WABS and WABS is women-owned businesses. <laughs> and it's just that we get together and we dish, you know, it's like, this is a, you know, everybody signs a confidentiality agreement. This is a safe space where you can talk about how it's really going. You know, you don't have to put on a happy face or you can share, you can put on your happy face and share the successes, but you don't have to, right? Like this is real. Like if you are having a problem in your business, this is the place to come and we'll support you and help you get through it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I, what I think that also does is it's, it starts to kind of make that, that triangle peak a little bit flatter for us mm. as women, because I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in this alpha female syndrome where there can only be one, right? And I have to be one. And so it becomes more of like, you need to lose in order for me to win. Right. But if we can all like work together, we can all win. And let's remember who the like the real quote unquote enemy is. <laughs> it's not each other. So like, you know, when we can bring a lot of that fantastic energy, that intelligence, that savviness together, I mean, that lifts everybody's boat. So I think that's like extremely important to, to remember. I also think there's an element that you guys were talking about before too, which I do think is very unique for women is that I think women tend to, they can see the long-term value much better than our male counterparts who tend to think very much in the short term, like I need to sell this. So therefore you need to buy it right now. I'm not really caring too much about like, 
the relationship necessarily because I'm just about making that transaction. Now I know I'm I'm being very stereotypical here and you know, but I mean, frankly, and if we're going to be real, like we said at the beginning of this episode, I mean, that's what we tend to see a lot of is that men to be tend to be very transactional. Women tend to be very much more relationship oriented. So they're looking for the long-term benefit, not just what can you do for me right now? Now there yes. are women that can be yes. more on that short-term side. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they don't, but that's mm-hmm. just in our, in, in general, how, um, we've seen the behaviors kind of manifest themselves. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that men who are, you know, are, are trying for that quick sale, they tend to, a lot of that might be because the fields that they, that are t- traditionally masculine, re- uh, you know, celebrate that, they reward that. Very true. And I think when you see the women having that, I can, I can, there can be only one and it will be me, right? Um, I think when you have that attitude, a lot of times it's at, it's at a, in a corporate setting where there really is only one person who can be the top salesperson or whatever. But when you're in an entrepreneurial situation, you guys can make exactly the same amount of money as another marketing firm and you're all happy. Right. Like, that's great. Like, no losers here. Every, you know, your clients benefit, you benefit. There's no problem. So I, I think part of that is is once you come out of that corporate setting, you you can make your own rules and your own definition of success. No, I love that. I love that. So I know, Jill, you have another program that you're getting ready to launch. It's really very, very, very cool. Will you tell everybody about that? So there's actually a couple programs I'd love to talk with you about, but the one that we have not yet launched is called Second Act Bootcamp. And this came about because uh, a friend of mine is a career coach, and she mentioned to me that so many women that she was seeing lately are getting ready to you know, change careers. So some of them are doing it unwillingly because they're being they're feeling edged out you know, ageism is a real thing still. And, or, you know, perhaps they've been at their job for long enough. So they're making them the most money. And that's of course, then the targets on their back for that when it comes to budget cuts. And some women are just like, you know, I've been doing this thing for 20 years or 30 years, and I'm ready to do something else. And maybe now I get to, to embrace my passion and make a big impact on the world. So the, I, the, the process though, you know, as you were talking about your runway, April, when you, when, even though you weren't really switching careers, you still were being very intentional about creating a runway for yourself. And I think those are the kind of things that, that women need to think through. And so in this second act boot camp, we're going to focus, you know, certainly there's going to be a lot of, you can do this. And, and we're, although we would love for them to, you know, choose entrepreneurship, because that's the type of women that we serve, but, and, you know, this is not pushing people toward entrepreneurship at all. It's really just about, let's talk through the thought process, like different processes. There are actual exercises you can do to kind of like, you know, think of the important things, think about, think through the important things like your skills. What are your skills that could translate to another career um, what do you want in a job? What is your history of work? Like, what are your accomplishments? But not just the resume type accomplishments, but like, what are you proud of? And not just in work, but in your life, right? And so there's going to be a lot of that, a lot of ideation. There's going to be a, a lot of inspiration with women who are doing second acts really successfully, kind of crushing it. And then, um, some more, uh, okay, so then really what what are your options? 
as a second act and what how do you decide what you're going to do next i think it's going to be really powerful there's there are a, a few consultants in the region who are doing this but there's not a program like this that is a formalized program where women can get together and really think through these things so we're really excited about that they, if anybody's interested the url for that is secondactbootcamp.com and that's going to be in september no i was just saying i love that i'm writing it down so we can put it in oh, the show. thank you <laughs> We have another program that I'm really excited about that uh, we just, it's not a new program, but it's a reconfigured program um, because, uh, you know, really the, this is for those women that we talked about that are at the start of their, their, they have a business, but they're just in the beginning of it, first couple of years, and they are overwhelmed and they're, the time pressure is really, they're really feeling the time pressure, they're feeling the money pressure and, um just you know want to have some answers but we we had it originally as a in-person boot camp and the women that we were talking to it was an all-day boot camp and they were like you know i theoretically have a day that i could like a whole day i make my own schedule so i theoretically have a day i could do this but it might not be that day that you're having it and it <laughs> might and if if i were to register for that and then i have a client gig come up i would have to do the client gig so we totally get that so we changed, it's called Fuel Your Startup, and it's now a hybrid program that has six live webinars that we're recording also, so you can go back and you can submit, like if you can't attend that one, you can submit questions to ask to be answered during the webinar. And then at the end, there's an in-person celebration, so you get to meet all the people that you've been Zooming with the whole time. So that's a really, um, I think we're really excited about that re- reimagining of that program and i think it's really going to be impactful so we talk about a lot about like find your customers and that part is very much what you all do all the time is, you know who are you trying to serve with this business and then how do you track them uh you know how do you manage your time how do you protect your assets that kind of thing so it's really um uh really valuable and it's 149 dollars, so it's not a huge investment either so those are our two big new programs I love it. And I highly encourage everybody to go check those out because I have gone to several aviatron meetings. I could speak firsthand about how fabulous the community is. Everything that you said is fully realized within that, that group and being able to have access to people who are like you going through the same thing, getting that support, getting that expertise, getting that inspiration. All of those things that you, you said are you guys deliver. So I highly suggest get involved, sign up for the newsletter, just to stay yeah. informed. And, and really, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, or even if you just want another group of women who are high achievers and looking to kind of be in yeah. it and do it, I mean, I, I found them ex extremely helpful, um, both from my mental and my emotional yeah. sanity. So. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. We actually have a free gift for for your listeners. It's um, it's a PDF. So we I interviewed a lot of our alumni when I came on. So I haven't been with the organization for all thirteen years, and so I went back when I joined and and you know in, talked with a lot of the, our alumni, and I asked them to give me some advice that they would give to other women entrepreneurs. And so we it's a PDF that's downloadable. It's it's called Women to Woman advice from female entrepreneurs. And we have a direct URL, which is women, plural, so women, 
businessadvice.com and you can download it there and then that'll get you on our email list and you'll hear about. So we share our events, but we also share all kinds of other events that happen in the Cincinnati for entrepreneurs in the Cincinnati, uh, Northern Kentucky and Dayton areas. So um, that's a great way to get started. And, and another thing that we offer too is free one-on-one -on -one business coaching. You know, we have, we're supported by two grants, one from Ohio and one from Kentucky. And it's just to help women start and grow their businesses. So we do this free one-on-one -on -one business coaching and, you know, it's been really so much fun to hear about all the things, the cool things that women are doing around the region and, and help in whatever way I can. So that's another invitation for your listeners. I love it. And we always like to end with a few rapid fire questions and I didn't give this to you on your, um, your preview. Okay. So I'm ready. And you on the okay. spot. So just to get a little, to know a little bit about you. So this is how we always like to wrap up when we're, when we're doing these. So what is your favorite book to recommend for female entrepreneurs, especially new female entrepreneurs? Mm. Will it fly? So will it fly is uh, a book by Pat Flynn. It's excellent. It talks about different ways that you can validate the market for whatever it is you're creating. So it's a, he's got a just a whole, a whole collection of different exercises that you can do and you can do some of them, all of them, one of them, but they all give you a lot of really good advice on or a lot of good insights. They'll lead to a lot of good insights about your particular market. And if, you know, if you, you start down the path with one idea and, and it's just not being validated to your satisfaction, Hey, just go back to the book and start over with another idea. I love that. Great suggestion. Uh, what is your favorite way to unwind? Reading. <laughs> I, mostly read I mostly read fiction now. Yeah. I, my, my favorite thing is curling up on my couch. My husband's watching football, which I don't like, so I don't pay attention. And my cat's all snuggled up when I have a book. It's like heaven. So I love that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking our language, except for we'd have a glass of wine too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and being a fellow executive mom, what's your biggest life hack, especially as an executive mom? Mm, that's a great question. So my kids, I'm an, I'm an empty nester. My kids are 21 and 26. So I guess I don't really have that time pressure. And my husband is retired. So he does literally everything around the house. So I'm really <laughs> in a pretty enviable position. And I know, and I'm very grateful. Um, but I think the challenge for me is keeping, uh, keeping balance. You know, I could work all the time and I, and I often do either that or just lay around and read. So those are my two activities. <laughs> so I think the balancing thing is really the challenge. And for me, I, I, my hack is just to try to, um, set up uh, activities with friends. So I get out of the house and I do something else that's not work related, that's friend related. And I, and I, you know, I actually put on real clothes on the weekend and stuff like that. <laughs> goals. There we go. Goals. <laughs> Hashtag goals. That's right. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, Jill, this has been a huge, huge pleasure. Like I said, I highly encourage everybody to go and check out Aviatra, check out the programs that Jill mentioned. Like I said, I could speak firsthand that they have a tremendous amount of value no matter where you are in your journey. And with Thank that, you. we'll say go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.